we always talk about and read about the great eternal struggle between good and evil, between right and wrong. That a person has freedom of choice and he's tempted to do the right and he's tempted to do the wrong and there's a battle raging and it goes on and on and on. And when we're in that struggle, when we're going through a true conflict within ourselves where we want to do something that we know isn't right and part of us doesn't want and part of us does want, it seems like we have two very substantial arguments. The argument for the good is substantial, and the argument for the bad is substantial. And that's why after 5,000 years, we still haven't come to any really firm, solid conclusion as to which way is better. Because there are arguments on both sides. When a person is, is hung up or really um, attracted to something sinful, the sin seems to be so necessary, so good, so positive in its effect, so undeniable, that to not do it would be insane. That's the way it seems. Like, I have to be crazy not to do this. And all the arguments about it's wrong, it's not nice, it, it seems so flimsy. What's wrong? What's not nice? So all the weight of substance and reality and importance and significance seems to be in doing the sin. And not doing the sin seems to be some vague, half-hearted, half-baked idea about right, wrong. This doesn't, it doesn't, it does, can't compete at all. And in fact, if you ever talk to anybody who is about to do something really bad, and you say, don't do it, and they say, give me one good reason. <laughs> you can't come up with one good reason. <laughs> So you come up with this thing about, well, it could get messy in the end, you'll regret it. It doesn't sound very convincing. It sounds timid. That's all. It's just as healthy, if not healthier. There is nothing wrong with it. I know plenty of people who eat non-kosher food. They're delightful. They're healthy. They're. What is the problem? On the contrary, this thing about picky, about, you know, meat is meat. What are you giving me this business in? And all of a sudden, the whole idea of eating this and not eating that sounds so flimsy and so unnecessary and so artificial. You're hungry, you eat. That makes more sense than anything you're going to say about keeping kosher. No? You're working in a business and you could make a lot of money very easily. All you have to do is, is make a document that isn't true. It's all you have to do, a piece, a piece of paper. Nobody will know the difference. You'll walk away with $100,000 and your life will be wonderful. I shouldn't do it. What are you, crazy? 
So you have to be crazy not to do it. And if, and if, no, if somebody says to you, oh, don't do that, it's, it's illegal. And you say, and you say, give me one reason, one. I'll give you 10 reasons for doing it. You give me one reason for not doing it. You can't come up with one reason. What's the matter? The, the, the airline will go bankrupt? You're going to be stealing somebody's seat? <laughs> what? It's just not right. What does that mean? What does that mean? All I know is that if I do what you're telling me to do, I'll be out $600 like an idiot. I end up with the same seat. That's that. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best argument. I need the six hundred dollars a lot more than United Airlines does. So the so the so the point is that we're convinced that good and evil are well matched uh, com, uh, opponents, and that for every argument that uh, that goodness has, there's an all, there's an equally convincing argument in the in the unholy and the evil and so on. And that's why it's such a struggle to be good. Moral struggle. So I'll tell you the story. There was this guy. He was actually a rabbi. And he had a fa he had a wife and a few kids. And I guess things weren't so wonderful at home. And he's a very uh, charismatic kind of a guy and very popular and friendly. And he fell in love with this non-Jewish girl. And he very seriously started considering divorcing his wife. And his rabbi friends tried to talk him out of it. And they said to him, uh, what are you doing? How can you do this? Your family, your children, your... And they argued and argued. And finally, he said to them, he said, look, for you, it's very easy. It's very easy for you to sit there and preach at me what it says in Shulchan Aruch and what it says in the Gemara and what it says here and there. I'm going through a real struggle. And he wouldn't listen to them. Anyway, he got divorced. And he ran off with this non-Jewish girl. Turns out that she is a monster. She took him for everything he was worth. She was unfaithful from the minute the whole thing started. She had absolutely no respect for him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, he, he ended up almost killing her. Now, looking back, what happened here? He says, it's easy for you to sit there and tell me that I shouldn't get divorced. Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I'm going through? He was completely head over heels in love with this girl. He had to have her. He had to be with her. 
he had to save his life by divorcing his wife and and making his life work with this with this girl and nothing in the world could convince him that it was foolish or silly or frivolous now it was serious it w this was the most serious the heaviest the most uh, difficult decision he's had to make in his life because on the one hand i mean yeah this is my wife my children my family but on the other hand i have to have this woman equal and when you have two equally important possibilities it's not easy to simply say no no no, no we, we don't get divorced not so easy so as he describes it he agonized and he debated within himself and he did a lot of soul searching and finally came to the conclusion that he has to go with this girl turns out she was not anything he thought she was. He needed her like a hole in the head. She was bad news from the first moment. He doesn't know what got into him. What did he think he saw in her because there is nothing there? Turns out that it wasn't a heavy decision. It wasn't two equally important choices. It wasn't like he had two options that were equally convincing. One was a true option. The other was insanity infatuation stupidity teenage the biggest decision of his life and it wasn't even a decision there was no decision there was no there was no choice it was like either stay with your wife and children and have a family or have this woman take your money is that a big choice no 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 his life went down the drain from there another example of a guy who had a wonderful career was making a lot of money getting getting really rich and famous and he traveled a lot and one day during his travels he met this girl and he just went absolutely berserk this was the girl, this was it, she was the her, his, his dream, this was the one he had to have, and it was just... Anyway, he decided that he's staying in town, and he's pursuing her, and he's not going to give up, he's got to have her, he's got to marry her, he's got to... So he gives up his job, loses his career, pursues this girl, she doesn't want to hear from him, doesn't want to know from him. But he won't give up, and he runs after, and he pursues her, and he, and he, and he, finally, she agrees to go out with him. They start going out, and they become a little friendlier, and they get to know each other, and they become, and it's working, and he's in seventh heaven. He's in seventh heaven, until he finds out she's gay. And although she doesn't mind talking to him and uh, and being friends, but she has no intentions of marrying him. She has no intentions of... Uh, she's gay. This guy got so angry at God 
for this cruel joke that he became anti-everything Jewish, anti-anything godly, anti-anything religious for, uh, for over 10 years of his life. Until finally he kind of calmed down and realized that what's he blaming God for? But the idea that something can seem so absolutely indispensably significant in your life and then have it turn out to be absolutely uh, non-negotiably irrelevant to your life. The good that comes from it is what the Rebbe is saying here in Tanya. The good that comes from it is that you get to see with your own eyes that what isn't godly isn't. If it's not godly, then it isn't. So, I mean, this happens to all the great passions in life. You pursue it, and you live for it, and you'll die for it, and finally you get it, and it's nothing. It is nothing. You want no passions. I'm talking about unholy passions. And why does it turn out to be nothing? Because it never was anything. There is no truth to the unholy. Only holiness is true. Everything else is not. And yet, as often as we see and learn this lesson, we keep getting fooled again. You listen, you listen to advertisements. You know, you know that they're not true. You know they're not true. You hear this guy on television ranting about this store that is just terrific and it's wonderful, and you go, nothing he said was true. Nothing. The store is not the way he described it. The prices are not terrific. The, 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 the merchandise is garbage. Nothing. There's no truth. He said, suckered again. <laughs> and now you know for sure, advertisers lie. Advertisements are lies. And a week later, you did it again. You heard this advertisement about this thing and it sounded really good and you went, and again, it's not what they said it was. <laughs> the point is that that which is not true can be so convincing. Why? How come? So when we say to people, theologically, philosophically, evil is not real, people say, come on, get off it. Of course it's real. It's very real. If it wasn't real, why do you think people would be doing it? <laughs> Advertising is not real, and yet it runs the country. Everybody cares whether it's real or not real. If it wasn't real, it would not be attractive. 
The only reason it's attractive is because it appears to be so real. I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, let's go out and do something really stupid. <laughs> I, you may be in the mood at that particular moment, but generally speaking, it's not too uh, irresistible to say, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go really, you got to go do something really stupid. Need it. I must have it right now. <laughs> got to be stupid now. Very few people would be attracted by that. But people come along and they don't say, let's be stupid. They say, there's something we really got to do. Really important. Very important. Important for your happiness. Important for your sanity. It's important for your health. It's important for your future. It's important. Very important. And you know it's going to turn out to be the dumbest thing in the world. And yet you let yourself buy the line. You let yourself believe it. And then when it turns out to be absolutely nothing, you say, can't believe this. But they, but they also, it seemed so. <laughs> yeah, you're fooled all the way through. Now, you, you avoid what is unholy because it's unholy. You avoid evil because it's prohibited. It's like the guy said, somebody said once, um, excuses, excuses are unholy. He said, no, no, but really, this is a real excuse. He said, it's really unholy. <laughs> the more real you think the excuse is, the more really unholy it is. Mm. So it's not true that if it's real, then it can't be unholy. It can be really unholy. So, so that's not the, it's not that because it seems real, we don't know that it's unholy. We know it's unholy. But that doesn't seem to be real. Ah, what does holy mean anyway? You know what? Ed, you're not supposed to do it. But who knows? You know, Doing it is real. The fact that it's unholy, it's prohibited, it's a sin, Jewish people don't do it. Ah, well, I'm not so into that. You see, that becomes vague and, and unconvincing. Whereas the sin is convincing. Not because you don't think it's a sin. You know it's a sin. So the choice should be made that if it's a sin, you don't do it. Period.